the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, number 54 for May 22nd, 2006. Folks, welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab. And I ran the wrong version of that song. Oops. One of these days, I'm going to have to run the whole tune for him. Maybe we'll do that on the uh, on the anniversary show. I'm Dave Hamilton. I am here with John Braun. Hi. Hi. And Dave. we are gabbing about Max. Uh, we've got all kinds of stuff for the show tonight. We have... What we uh, Continuing conversations, of course, on uh, our auto mount thing. We've got to talk through. We've got... Actually, quite a bit about MacBook Pro. There's, there's some. You, you folks sometimes take a couple of weeks to to catch up and come around with with listening here. So there's a couple of uh, things that are going to be revisited, and then we've got some cool shareware that uh, we found. Yep, but and, especially with the new machines, we have uh, quite a few comments about yep, the new machines and yep. some of the older, uh, older uh, absolutely with the new Intel processors. Absolutely, I, I, still waiting for them to get to the uh, you know the Pro version there that's right that's right uh so have pro, you had a chance desktop, to see the new uh the, yes 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 have you had a chance to actually look at a new uh macbook you, you know what actually I, I did and uh i went down earlier uh earlier this past week well i guess late last week hmm. and met cory cooper from the mac osg podcast and and forums mac osg.com mac uh, uh what are they mac owners support group is what Mac OSG stands for. And they do a great podcast and have some forums where folks help you out. And Corey lives over in Salem, New Hampshire. And uh, so he and I met for lunch. And it was funny. We got to the Apple store. We figured, well, we'll meet at the Apple store. And he knew what I looked like. So he hunted me down once I was in the store. And they didn't have the MacBooks out. You know, and we thought, well, this is kind of weird. Because this was like like Thursday, I guess. Or maybe it was Wednesday. And the things that come, yeah, it was Wednesday. And the things that come out Tuesday. And they didn't have them. They had iBooks and stuff. And I'm like, well, whatever. So we went to have lunch at some weird little restaurant, and then, uh, and then I, th- I said after lunch, I said, "Well, hey man, let's just go back to the store and see if they, you know, see- we'll ask them if they've got them." And sure enough, when we got back there, there they were, out on display and everything. So they, while we were eating lunch, they set them all up for us, nice. So uh, we get to that take a look at. Give a lot of them for that brand spanking new store on uh, Fifth Avenue in yeah. New York City. Have, have you seen the? Before we talk about the new store, have you have you seen the MacBooks? Uh, I have actually not actually seen one in person, but I've seen plenty of pictures sure. and uh, actually read a lot of commentary, especially that keyboard. It's cool. I, I love what they've done with the case. I mean, the black one, it, it, you know, you for whatever reason, you pay more for it to be black, but that whatever. Uh, it, I, I love what they've done with the case. It's, it's a beautiful uh, kind of a matte black kind of thing. And uh, the way the keyboard is, is just inlaid there. It, it you know that's all part of the case, very 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 nicely done. I don't like the glossy screen though, not not uh, not to my preference, but I know some folks. Yeah, will, will you like know some that. people are torn, but yeah. but I think I've told you, you know I got a fairly new uh, for for the work uh, mm-hmm. an Inspiron ninety four hundred, and it has one of the most beautiful screens I've ever seen. Is it is made. it the high gloss screen or is it just regular? Yes, it is oh. high gloss, but this thing is bright bright bright. Yeah. So oh yeah, the as MacBook- long as you don't put the screen. In a position where it's going to be reflecting off right. of a bright light source, right? Uh, as far as I'm concerned, the 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 extra brightness, and I'm sure the uh, Apple screens uh, are the same way. The extra brightness more than makes up for the uh, 
possible reflection, though it depends on your work environment. But I've been able to, uh, where I'm at, you know, with the little dock that I have that elevates it, uh, get away from reflecting anything into it. But the, the screen is beautiful, so I'm sure the... Uh, and, uh, well, you had a chance to see the screens on the on the new MacBooks. And of yeah. Course, uh, yours. Right. I've, well, I've, my, the, my MacBook Pro, when I ordered it, it, it wasn't even an option to get the uh, the high-gloss screen. But uh, I wouldn't have gotten it anyway. But, uh, I, I, you know, the, the new MacBooks are great. I, 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 you know, it's, it's more than an iBook was in comparison to the MacBook Pro because the video, well, it's half crippled, right? As, as, as Corey pointed out, it, it's not... Uh, it, it's not crippled in that you can do m- multiple screen display, right? So you don't, you're not stuck with just mirroring as an option. However, the video RAM is shared video RAM, so it's you know you're not going to get high speed performance out of the thing. However, for what you know most of us do, it probably doesn't matter unless you're playing a lot of games, and then of course it matters a whole lot. Curious to see how fast the thing runs when you hook it up to a cinema display, but. Uh, that 13-inch screen is plenty big. It's it's not a bad not a bad size at all. So yeah, well, they got to differentiate between the different product lines. Yeah, but I heard there's absolutely. probably not going to be a 12-inch uh, a version of the machine that I have. One of the machines I have here, which is the 12-inch. You know that it's it, yeah the 12-inch PowerBook right the G4 PowerBook. Uh, from what I had understood in talking with some folks uh, that that work at Apple. From what I'd understood, really, that 12-inch PowerBook was not really considered a PowerBook internally. Uh, it was like an iBook that knew, knew a guy in the aluminum factory and, uh. and, and, you know, got a shiny new case. But as far as the, the guts of it go, it, it was more iBook than PowerBook from what I understand. So it makes sense for them to do this and, and you know, differentiate the product lines a, a little bit more clearly. You've got the bigger screens the better video uh but otherwise it's you know it's the same machine uh, i if 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 i were buying one now i i may i would seriously consider the macbook over the macbook pro for what i'm doing here um mm. i'd want to i'd want to know more about video speed and that sort of thing but otherwise uh you know using it at my desk i don't see any reason why i would uh i would have to do that with the macbook pro so mm. So that new store. Yeah. Like you said last week, it looks like uh, somebody at Apple has a cube fetish, partic- particularly the person that came from Next and then went to Apple, right? Because that's three cubes that we're talking about, right? The Next yep, Cube. Yep, I think the Next Cube was a, a thing of beauty, but yep. it was before its time, and uh, Next didn't quite, you know, didn't... Didn't, didn't quite do did a lot a, of things, yeah. Yeah. But, but they, they sold their company. Their time. Yeah, that's right. They sold their company the right way. Mm-hmm. But the uh, the cube, yeah. If you if you you know went to the website over the last several days, you would see they had the time lapse video of yeah people just lining up in droves to get into that place, and it is a a, a first a twenty four seven yeah three sixty five type of store, which uh, well in the city that never sleeps, that probably makes sense. And even if you look at the time lapse things, there are people there. Oh yeah, all, probably all... the lightest hour was I think between four and five a.m. Yeah, but there yeah. were still people going in and out. Yeah. And there was some guy when I was looking at the time lapse. It looks like looked like he held up a sign that said, "Will you marry me?" Did you catch that? <laughs> it was it was like right after. It was like maybe between five and six. Uh, I tried looking for it on the hourly ones and couldn't find it. If 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 you go to Apple's website, we'll we'll put a link in the show notes to where you can see the kind of the time lapse video of round the clock the first twenty four hours of the store. And I swear there was a guy with a sign that said, "Will you marry me?" I saw some people with signs, yes. And okay. I, I was tempted to hop a train and go oh. to the city because you could probably figure out where the camera is. And, oh, absolutely. You know, yeah. 
do something inappropriate, perhaps. But uh, before yeah. the which looked like security guards before they hauled you off. Yeah, it looked like there were guards there. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, shall we get to the uh, to the first uh, bit of uh, listener contribution to our show here? Indeed. All right. Let's see what Gary had to say. Hey, Dave. Um, great job with the show. I was wondering maybe in one of your future shows you could visit the topic of uh, setting up a uh, home network. I'm moving to a new house and uh, got it all wired up for Cat5, and I've got a dual G5 uh, desktop, and I'd like that to operate as the headless unit in the house and then just have two laptops tap off of it. And um, I'm not sure whether I actually can run this with a regular Mac OS software or actually need the server software. What I'd like to do is both laptops would um, go to the headless G5 and get the, their uh, mail app, email app, and uh, draw from the iTunes library, iPhoto library, and uh, rather than have them localized on each individual unit and build up uh, data that needs to be backed up on each individual laptop, I'd like them just to tap off the headless G5. And again, I don't know if this uh, simply can be done by uh, connecting in using uh, the finder to connect into the headless Mac, or in fact, if I had a uh, the Mac OS server software, I would have a little bit better setup. So um, this may seem kind of elementary to a lot of uh, you folks out there, but uh, I browsed online and really couldn't find any sort of basic uh, how-tos and the best way to sort of organize something like that. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Yeah, well, it's, that's actually an interesting question, um, or it's an interesting scenario that you propose there, Gary. I don't know that I would head down this path, but it, but it's 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 fruit for good for good conversation here. It, using the G5 as a central file server, sure, that makes sense. Using it as the thing that manages your iTunes and iPhoto libraries gets interesting because you can't add to the G5's libraries from remote. The only place you can add to a computer's iPhoto or iTunes library is locally. And I say that knowing, of course, you could rig up something where you added to your local iTunes library and then it did a sync and totally overwrote the one on the G5. Obviously, that would work, but but not with your shared setup there. It would, it would kind of blow things up. So th- you, you need to, say, when you wanted to purchase a song or... Uh, rip a new CD in or add an MP3 that you got via email, you need to go to the G5 either physically or virtually with something like Apple Remote Desktop. I'm going to talk about that too. Uh, to, you know, Apple Remote Desktop or, or any of the VNC clients to, to go ahead and do that. Uh, I, so I'm not, I'm not certain that, that you're going to get what you want out of this, uh, at least not doing it that way. And, and, and I don't know, I don't, I, I get what you're going for. You want the shared iTunes library. You want the shared iPhoto library. Honestly, what I would do is store store that on one of on the machine that you're going to use, and uh, and and let the other machine connect as a client. But then, when you want to add something to it, be it the PowerBook or if you're using the G5 with a head, then you can just add it right there, and you're not driving yourself crazy trying to. Uh, uh, you know, add add things to a, a headless machine and and that sort of thing because it's just not doable uh, with with Apple's current setup. Server software, or no. There's there's nothing nothing that I know of that would that would do this. You, John? Yes, I would uh, wholeheartedly concur with you that this is something that 
really isn't in the design of the software, other right. than that you can share your music library. Right. Right. Across the network. Uh, that is, you know, of course, a part of iTunes. But, and and um, iPhoto will do it too, of course. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that may be the best way. And then as you suggested, do a remote desktop, uh, type of deal, but getting beyond that, yes, you can figure out which files like we've covered in the past, I think have the index for the pictures and the music and right. stuff like that. But right. it, it's, it's getting to a point where the, the product really was not designed to, to work in that way. So, so I think, yeah, the best bet is to take advantage of the sharing features that are built in and, uh, and, you know, try to leave it at that. You know, we, we both kind of talked about the remote desktop thing. And I want to, no better time than the present, and I'll, I'll call an audible here, and we'll go straight, we'll, we'll veer clear off of the uh, the agenda. There are a couple of, of remote desktop solutions for OS X, and we'll go in-depth in these, maybe in the next show, maybe maybe one down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, Apple Remote Desktop and, uh, and, VN, and any of the VNC clients, VNC being an open source uh, solution for for what's called desktop sharing or, or or remote viewing, where with with Apple Remote Desktop, when you connect to a machine, it's as though you've taken over or shared the keyboard and mouse, and you see the display as it appears on the on the user's uh, machine. There, right. So if if you open a an application and start typing, let's say you you open QuickBooks for example, and you start typing or reviewing financial reports, and you're remote somewhere. Anyone sitting in front of that computer sees exactly what you do. So, mm-hmm. and there is a way, I, I guess, to hide that. But the, per, the you can't use you can't have two people logged into the machine at once. Uh, at least not with Apple Remote Desktop. VNC is an open source version of of that same sort of thing. Apple Remote Desktop has some more features, of course, because Apple controls the whole widget there. But it uses VNC, and and VNC is is actually in. Uh, Panther or Tiger, you can you can have uh, run a VNC server. If you go into sharing, you can turn on VNC. If you load the latest version of Apple Remote Desktop on Panther, it'll be there too. And then you can take any one of the free uh, open source uh, VNC clients. I use Chicken of the VNC to connect and do the same thing, and and it works fine. And then there's Timbuktu, and then most recently Semantic came out with a Mac version of PC Anywhere, and we'll lambaste that on another show because they did a really horrible job with it, to be honest with you. Uh, and I promise that I will back that up with, with, with good reasoning. But when you release a Windows disk with a Java installer buried three directories deep, that's not a Mac app as far as I'm concerned. However, moving right along... The nice thing with VNC, though, is that they yeah. do make VNC for a number of platforms, mm. not just Mac. Cross-platform. Absolutely. I think yeah. they even make one Linux. if you have, like, a pocket PC or a Palm yep. or some other, yep. and for bizarre operating systems like Irix and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, well, the source, um, it's open source, so you can compile it for anything. And, yeah, I've, I've used it for my Trio, believe it or not. I've, I've VNC'd into yep. my Mac. It's not pretty, but it works. <laughs> the one thing... And this is, you know, another, I, I don't, I hate to, to, to repeatedly do this, but Windows does it better thing. Uh, however, there is something called terminal services or remote desktop for Windows. And what it lets you do that's different is if you're logging into, say, a Windows 2000 or a 2003 server, you can, you actually get your own session. So now when you connect remotely to a, uh, to a to a Mac over VNC, whatever size the person has their their desktop set on the remote machine, 
you're you're stuck with that. And if your desktop is larger than that, then you get their desktop in just a window, you know, uh, on your display. If theirs is larger or they've got multiple screens, you're dealing with scroll bars and all this crazy stuff. On Windows, you actually get your own session and it opens to the size of your desktop and you can actually run multiple sessions on the same server uh and and you know that would be the kind of thing that would work really well for and, and this is why I brought this in for what Gary wants right cuz Gary's got this dual G5 plenty of horsepower for for what he's talking about doing even if you want to share that horsepower among the two laptops so you get the laptops to connect in open up their own sessions here they run iTunes and everything from the server machine and because they're it's actually running on the server and just sending screen updates across the network then you can use the same iTunes library, the same iPhoto library, and all that good stuff. Uh, but unfortunately, there is no way to do that on the Mac, or at least none that I know of. If any of you out there know of a way of doing a, a graphical remote login session, kind of like an X Windows session, a remote X Windows session into the Mac, uh, I would, I would, I would pay pay dearly for services. that advice. What's that? With services. Hmm. With terminal, so you mean with terminal? Well, terminal yeah, a, a terminal services um, analog for the Mac, right? I mean, I know terminal services well, they, for the Mac exists, but it only lets you log into Windows machines. There's nothing yes. that okay. lets you log into the Mac uh, that does that. So, okay, just want to make sure you're uh, you're hip to that. For the time being, Microsoft does make an OS 10 client for for terminal, terminal services, services, and it's very nice. Right? Yeah. Oh, it works great. Yeah, I use it uh, to connect to to Windows machines, and it's it it does exactly what. Uh, what we described there. So, so Speaking, at some point, uh, oh, I think uh, Apple may. Uh, I think we may be getting uh, uh, getting a chance to evaluate the uh, Apple, the full Apple solution at some point. A remote desktop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, we'll talk about that. And we I've, will, uh, I've got a copy of PC Anywhere that I just started playing with the other day, so uh, we'll we'll check them all out and, and talk about it. Okay, so that's uh, that's Gary. That, Should we go to? Barbara? No, because we're gonna we we were talking about things that uh, that that Windows does better, and of course the the last week when we were talking about this, the um, the thing that Windows did better was, or at least according to us, I, was, I auto, was auto mounting, which is fine, uh, and and many 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 of you wrote in, <clears throat> including Jonathan from Mac Tips Daily, which is a podcast that I had to throw a plug in for because I was interviewed on it uh, last week. Mm -hmm. So check that out. But Jonathan and, uh, and Dom Barnes both sent in emails and I will find the first one here. Okay. Uh, Dave, as I was listening to the Mac geek gab, I didn't hear you mention this, but this is how I mount my network drives and it doesn't require Apple script or automator. Go to mount the network drive, go to go connect to server, however you want to do it. After you connect and have it mounted on your desktop, do this open system prefs, Go to Accounts and go to the Login Items tab. Then drag from the desktop your network drive to the Login Items window. Voila, your network drive will automatically mount with each login. The only drawback to this, as Dom Barnes points out, is that it will launch the window for the volume when you log on. So every time you open up your Mac, it will open up the window for whatever drive that is. If you, if you mount five different drives, you'll have five or six different windows open. There is a way around this, as Paul yes, was say, as Paul say. was tip, as, as Paul was quick to point out, uh, you can tick the hide box next to the drive in the login items window, and that way it doesn't open the Finder window when you open it up. So 
That and is, I think you also want to make sure when yep. you log in, there'll be a little, uh, mm. or you may have mentioned this, but a little, a little checkbox. No, no I skipped uh, that. Go ahead. Save to keychain. Yes. Yeah. So you log in uh, the Apple keychain, which is a wonderful thing. I don't think there's quite the Windows equivalent, but the keychain is something that can hold on to all your uh, uh, username and password combination. So that's one option that you should get when you log into a network volume is save in my keychain. Yep. So save it in the keychain, then it will not prompt you with the username and password. And depending on the environment you're in, you may want to do it automatically or you may want to get prompted. Yeah. Uh, if you're in an environment that you, uh, you know, you're, you're, uh, you, you, you know, it may not be you there. That's right. Maybe somebody else. Yeah. Well, you in that case, prompt. you probably tell it not to, uh, to open your key, to unlock your keychain at login or, or something like that. And then that mm-hmm. protects you from, from not just this, but any, someone getting into your email or whatever. And I just realized, I hope, I hope there's not a whole lot of noise coming in. I just realized I've, I've got the window wide open next to me here because the freaking air conditioner, this super hoopty multi-zone ductless, you know, air conditioner thing that I had installed in the office and studio, it blows warm air. The thing's less than a year old and nice. it blows warm air. So I'm sitting here and it's 78 degrees in the, audio attic because it's an attic and i have the window it blows open. it doesn't blow that's the problem it needs to blow it needs to blow no, I mean it, better i know what you meant I know what it, all right if anybody out there knows why this thing you know they come they charge it and then it starts blowing cold air and uh and that lasts for a couple of days and then it goes so it sounds to me like there's a leak but it would sound to me like there's a uh, yeah, uh, yeah. But it, you know, it's there's two totally separate systems that feed into the compressor outside. So one would assume that the huh. compressor outside is somehow leaking from both systems. But yeah, yeah anyway, the geek in me wants to figure it out. But uh, you know, I'm not I'm not too good. Yeah, you want to be with, careful around with refrigerant, like freon, yeah. or whatever yeah. chemicals they're using. That's right. There are pressurized systems in general. You, wanna... that's... <laughs> you mean I shouldn't start unscrewing this uh, this cable here? Uh, <laughs> You can try. I'm I'm here. You're there. You know what? Go for it. You're in the office. It's not near your house. I mean, you're not going to hurt the family. So no, you know, the, the I, life insurance I, will I encourage kick in. you to experiment. Yeah, that's right. There you go. Thanks. Nothing like support. Uh, just for that, I'm going to make you answer Lou's question. Hey guys, how you doing? This is Lou from Rhode Island. I have um, my wife and my daughter on Mac. Uh, my wife has an iBook, and my daughter has a MacBook. Uh, not a pro, but the um, 17-inch uh, power book, as it's called, uh, used to be called. And uh, the iBook is uh, still the old-fashioned one. But uh, my wife with the iBook, she cannot uh, print uh, uh, through our uh, snow base station. And uh, the uh, a 950 uh, Canon i9 uh, it always uh, stops halfway through, through a print job. And then it goes into a searching mode that he cannot find it, and you know we're right in front of it. So I didn't know if you guys had a quick answer for that. How to uh, get my wife printing it off my back? I really appreciate your help. Uh, thanks, and uh, good job with the podcast. Bye. All right, Mister Smarty Pants, go ahead. <laughs> I don't have a well. A couple of things off the top of my head. Um, yeah. I'm assuming he is plugging this into. That base, or is that a base that's yeah? A that's pre- that's a no. That's a base that'll do it. Yeah, that'll do USB printer sharing. Um, gosh, you know, I mean, uh, well, the, check we can the ass- firmware on the printer. Check the firmware on the base station. Well, we can assume though that the other laptop is able to print to it, right? Because he 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 said that it was just one laptop that's having trouble. So 
immediately, based on our troubleshooting discussion from last week. Perhaps that, it's the method he's using to map it. Well, it shouldn't need to map, right? It just shows up in Bonjour. So there's no map. And he says it's showing up and starting okay. to print, right? And then stopping. So it's seeing it. And then it, and then it stops and goes into the search. I'm scratching mode. my head. If it didn't see it, I'd feel better because then they're right. But right. just that it's starting to do it. I, yeah. I, I, I would I would run cocktail. I would run cocktail or or any one of the various cache cleaning apps that's out there and just have it go and and scrub all the printer caches clean. And I would and then I would also go into the uh, printer utility, printer setup utility, and pull all the printers out and then re add just that one. I bet that okay. that'll uh, that would that would I be the first thing. That yeah, that's the first thing. Because I think do. the utility also has a way to update the uh, the driver definitions and all that. I, I believe yeah. it's automatic. Yeah, it's well, it's automatic with um, the OS updates. Yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah, so maybe unmap it, remap it. Who who knows? There's something there. Yeah, as you suggested. So uh, so you got me there. Um, <laughs> that's my job. Uh, in another way, if you know, if, if he does have a. Uh, now, is this a, this is probably a USB printer, right? It's a definitely a USB printer, yeah. Okay. Because if it was IP, parallel, that'd be that. really weird. Seeing as the Mac doesn't have a parallel. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, I was going to say IP would be a little different because at least the IP printers I have around here, there's a couple of different ways that you can connect to them, either Apple Talk or uh, I believe it's LPR, LPD, the IP protocol to print to it. And sometimes some are, are better than others, or uh, as you pointed out, uh, bonjour. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure yeah, this for one. The USB, I think your options are kind of limited. And and again, you may want to see if there's a firmware update for the uh, for the base station. There may be a little little yeah. bug in there, even though it does work in some situations. Well, yeah, so and, and, and then they do. And even updating the airport software on the uh, on the machine that's having trouble too would be uh, would be an option there. Just to, yeah, because I know that's sure. like with uh, you know like with uh, you know my mom has a Mac, and every now and then you know every every time I come and visit, every now and then I run software update because I really <laughs> don't want her to go through that. And, you know, every yeah. now and then when I stop by every couple of weeks, there is probably some software update I have to apply. So make sure you're you're up to date on your software update, set the frequency, you know, maybe to be a bit more frequent or, you know, set it to do the updates if you don't already. Like Ron Popeil likes to say, set it and forget it. Right? Yeah, I set mine daily. The uh, software updates. Now, I don't know if, if software update is default uh, on a default install. If it's set to check, it's, it's. I think it's set to check weekly. Is it? Yeah. Weekly. Okay. Yeah. yeah that sounds about right. Yeah. All right. Let's. Okay. Uh, you threw let, me a curveball there. Let's Thanks. let's dive into the Mac. Yeah, that's my pleasure. That's what I'm here for. You set them up. I'll knock them down. Uh, <laughs> all right. Let's let's talk about this MacBook Pro thing. Hey guys, I uh, just kept on listening to your show. I can't remember the number or anything like that. One of the most recent ones. Anyway, you were talking about the MacBook Pro and the overheating and the thermal paste and yada, 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 yada. And I, I just had a couple of comments for you. Um, one, um, I only noticed because I was forced into the Windows world uh, several years ago and uh, slowly making our way back into the Mac world. But anyway, uh, thermal grease or thermal paste is... Actually, it, it, I mean, literally, you're supposed to have a paper-thin amount. Um, you're not supposed to be making a barrier of thermal grease or thermal paint between heat sink and the processor. What the thermal grease is actually supposed to do is just fill in any cracks 
or imperfections in the material um, between the two so that you have a nice uniform uh, area for the heat to dissipate through um, so that you don't have gaps and, and you know, um, areas where heat's actually going to build up, that kind of thing. Um, number two, what you said about why would you open your, you know, MacBook Pro is absolutely real and true. <laughs> However, being a bit of a hardware geek myself, um, because of Windows and the fact that you, the way Windows is set up so that it almost forces you to do your own service or pay someone through the nose to do it, um, anyone out there who has ever had to deal with things like this in Windows, your your mentality is almost that you want to just get it over with and do it yourself. Yeah. Um, I know that Mac service is far superior to uh, Microsoft and and the companies that make their machines that run uh, Windows. But you know, you're absolutely right. But there is, I guess, I'm just kind of trying to point out a reason why people may think that way or feel that way. Anyway, love the show. Hope this wasn't too long for you. I will uh, talk to you soon. This is Kevin in San Antonio. Okay, I didn't tell you. Bye. Hey, uh, my name is Barbara, and I wanted to make a comment in reference to something that was said on the May 8th show. You were discussing the MacBook Pro's heat difficulty and suggested calling Apple. Mm-hmm. Well, yesterday, I called Apple, spoke with two product specialists, and was told that my 117-degree reaching MacBook Pro is within specs. What? Because this is not a laptop computer. It's a portable computer. And the case is actually part of the cooling system. So unless it's throwing sparks, melting the case, or actually in flames, Apple says that it's acceptable. So I just wanted to let you know. Um, if you'd like to contact me. Very interesting. Good advice from... Uh from our friend Kevin and very interesting report from from Barbara there about what's going on with the uh, with the MacBook Pros. So yeah, now I'm going to toss out uh, an initial thing here. Okay. Now, number one, if you go to the Apple site um, in their document database, article number three zero six one two, we'll provide a link to it, has a little ditty about Apple notebooks and operating temperature, and, the, and they pretty much say this. They say. Uh, I won't read the whole thing, but essentially they're hinting at the fact that your laptop, uh, I'm sorry, notebook, because they don't use the word laptop, (laughs) make it a wee bit warm. And I think part of this is due to the fact that they are using metal, uh, the metal of the the case, um, to dissipate the heat. Now, this is not unique to Apple, though. Um, uh, Several other vendors, like Acer, for example, I know uh, some coworkers have Acer machines that have metal cases. And you got to get rid of the heat somehow. It's either through the metal case of the machine, or a lot of machines like the uh, the one that I do have, the Inspiron, has these ugly, horrible heat sinks inside, uh, thin heat sinks, and it makes the machine kind of chunky and all that. But um, we'll link to this article. But they basically say, you know, you may not want to put it on your skin now. And also, technically, I did do a bit of research, and um, according to, I don't have the standard in front of me, but your skin starts getting affected at around 122 degrees Fahrenheit. So yep. I guess the statement that one, I believe it was 117, she said? Yeah, for hers, yeah. Pretty darn close to uh, yeah. a temperature that can harm you. And I've noticed this also, not just with my current um, uh, PowerBook G4, but prior machines, they do get a bit toasty. 
So, on the other hand, it, it, have you seen some of the articles that are talking about the the uh, you know the uh, paste issue? Yeah, I have. And the the one interesting thing they about glop it on there. I'm sorry, there. Yeah, somebody's doing something wrong. In my personal opinion, they're glopping it on there. I agree with the the first caller. You should not be dumping it on there like that. From the pictures I've seen, somebody dumped way too much and it's not acting as a dissipator it's acting as an insulator it's right it's and that's what will happen if there's, job. if there's too much on there that's right I, i'm curious to hear from someone whose machine has actually been through apple support to see if they're fixing it of course there was the whole service manual thing and we don't know what version of the service manual that is if that's the current one they're using or if perhaps it was an old one uh who knows if they've changed anything internally but I'd be curious to hear from someone to, uh, who's had their MacBook in for service, MacBook Pro rather, in for service to see if anything's different. Because according to the reports, the folks that have gone in and ripped open their MacBook Pros and reapplied the thermal paste to, I don't want to say correctly because of course it's incorrect according to the service manual we saw, but correctly in terms of every other manual out there. Uh, where they put it on, like you said, very thin layer, just to sort of help transfer the heat to the to the heat sinks and and then to the fans. They say that once they do that, the fans actually come on much sooner, but their operating temperature goes way down. And I've no, I have noticed, you know, now that I know where to look, uh, I never noticed. Believe it or not, I never noticed a problem. I mean, nothing, nothing that would make me not use it uh, when putting it on my lap. Of course. Being a drummer, when during the summer months, I wind up playing uh, with sticks on my knees all the time. So perhaps I'm a little more calloused than the average Joe. But uh, I, it was warm, like I said, but not not horrible. However, uh, you know, it is warm. It is hot to the touch above the uh, the function keys. There, it, you know, it's very very hot to the touch. There was a an update to the uh, system management console or. Uh, SMC, I forget what they, they SMC call it. Chip, yeah. The SMC chip, which is essentially the chip that controls a lot of these functions. There was an update to that, a firmware update that came out last week. I don't know that my machine is running any cooler. Mine was never really running. I never saw it in the 80s, though. Uh, and I'm talking about 80 degree uh, centigrade Celsius. There, there's a, a kernel, well, a combination application and, and kernel extension out there called Core Duo Temp that we'll link to. If you're running any of the Core Duo uh, machines, you can install this and then you can actually see the temp of your processor. Mine ranges anywhere between 62 and probably 72 to 75 degrees centigrade. Um, mm -hmm. And it, But I've never really heard the fans come on full blast. I did hear them come on full blast when I was doing the update as, as they are supposed to. But uh, other than that, I've never heard them crank up. And uh, and I've been doing a lot of stuff where the processor is at full tilt all the time. So maybe, maybe there is something yeah. going on here. It sure sounds like uh, sure sounds like something's not not triggering quite right. But uh, who knows yeah. what who knows what Apple had in mind? So it's hard now to I gotta, hard to I know. A few, few things to toss in here. So number right. one, you got to be careful about. Uh, now, did you hear about the little uh, uh, little uh, issue that uh something awful had with uh well yeah that that was the article i was talking about yeah where they they okay. posted the they posted the um the for the, the service manual the link to the service, service manual. manual correct yeah we talked about that a couple weeks gram. ago yeah 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 we did okay so that's just silliness you can't get in trouble for linking to something no after this. So. but there are also several products now for those that do have um 
the Mac uh, or other laptops that uh, do use metal in the case to dissipate heat. There are several products that I did find. One which looks very nice, and I think this is specifically for Apple. It's from Rain Design, and it's called Lapwork. All right. Um, and it's a kind of nifty little little device that basically, and all these devices basically separate uh, your skin from the computer itself, and they do various things that uh, you know could actually make it a, a more pleasant experience to actually use the machine. So I found Lapwork from Rain Design. And what is it? D- describe called, describe what Lapwork is. So because uh, for all the people that are in their cars, it's a kind of a cradle, I guess, where you put the machine in it, and then it has some. It's really hard to describe. We we will link to the product page. Okay. But it basically is kind of a carrier. Um, so you put the Mac into this thing. There's a frame, and then below the frame, it has two. Um, yeah, cushions, I, I padded, padded cushions. Is that is yeah, that the one I've seen? Cushions. Okay. That basically, those are what are touching your lap, and then they also kind of swivel a little bit. So if you move the laptop back and forth. Huh. It actually kind of moves with you, and it appears to be actually a more pleasant experience than actually having it physically on your lap. On your, huh. your lap. Um, huh. Another one was called, uh, I found, XPad Laptop Heat Shield from Seawell Direct. And uh, uh, and another thing that looks kind of neat, and I think we've seen this before, something called, uh, I think, Casemate. It's a handle. Okay. Um, and we, we saw those actually for some of the past uh, uh, PowerBook machines, which is like a little handle that goes onto the sides of the machine, and they claim that this device, uh, in addition to being something that will elevate the machine, uh, well, number one, it's a handle, of course. Sure. But then number two is that you have it on a flat surface. It will act as a uh, something that will elevate the machine to provide airflow below it. Because the one thing you don't want to do, I think, with a lot of computers, especially the ones that use the metal in the case that dissipate the heat, is to have it on uh, any material that does not allow airflow Right. On the bottom. Right. Yeah. You don't want to set the thing on a pillow. <laughs> that, yeah. That would, which that unfortunately, I do it. sometimes, you know, when I'm, you know, about to, uh, you know, before, uh, you know, I doze off for the night. Sometimes sure. I'll, you know, be in bed and I'll put it either, you know, on uh, on the blanket or on my shirt. And uh, sometimes I'll hear the fan kick up a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah. You know, because it is, you know, not allowing the uh, airflow that I think uh, they originally intended because, you know, little feet on the bottom of the machine um, right. do create a little area for the heat to go away. So, I think in this case, Apple is, I don't know, I'm making a nasty gram about this from uh, someone somewhere, but it sounds like they may have made some sort of mistake. Yeah, well, yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm curious to see, uh, you know, some of, the, some of the reports that I've read indicate that the folks that have sent it in through service, I mean, obviously, you know, Barbara was unable to get hers in to get it serviced. They simply told her, nope, that's working just fine. Um, some of the folks that, that I'd read, I, I thought they were saying that if they'd sent it in through service, that things were better, but, uh, but perhaps I, I misunderstood. So I'd love to hear from any of you out there. If you've, if you've had any experience with that, uh, even if it's the same as what Barbara heard or, or if it was something different, it's just interesting. And it me. sounds now Apple is in the denial state. That's so right. To the acceptance That's state. Right. Yeah. We've seen this in the past, too. Now, sure. the one thing is it, it is essentially a Rev 1.0 machine. It's the, right. one of the first machines that has the Intel Core Duo, which does have, because I found this, too, uh, Intel talks about it. They have the Intel Advanced Thermal Manager with per-core digital temperature sensor. So yep. the chip definitely has the sensing ability on each core to yep. tell somebody somewhere how hot it's getting. So yep. how you deal with it is another story. Right. And, you know, remember, with the, with the PowerBooks, you, you had one of the very first uh, titanium PowerBooks, John. 
and you got you got at, yeah have an issue. and well and you had you know you sent it in for something i don't know maybe at the 18 month mark you had apple care and i remember you got it back and you said oh yeah this is great they beefed up the frame and they obviously put in more put more support in here and clearly yeah. you know some of the learning that they'd had from the support experience a updated the design for future laptops and and b was integrated into the support process so that any of these laptops that came in, you know, they probably took the most common issues and just said, look, anytime one of these comes in, put this part in there and beef this thing up. And that way we won't, you know, we won't see it again because frankly, they, you know, they don't want your laptop to come back. Obviously it costs them money. So yeah, the, the tie book was a great machine. I think it was a little bit fragile, but as you well, stated, yeah, I mean, yours was my, mine, you know, I, I got one maybe a year after you. And so it was through a couple of revisions and mine was much more stable initially than yours was. Of course, yours after it went through it, after it went through that Apple Care experience, was was just fine. So, you know, I, I, we're we may be a little too we may be a little premature on this, at least in terms of you know the history of what's gone on with Apple and this stuff. I I wonder if by the six month mark, you know, by maybe July yeah. August, we we might start seeing some of these things uh, get fixed, sort of almost unspoken in the uh, in the repair process. So, yeah, and because Apple is definitely put under a microscope by the media, absolutely in general, any little thing. So this could yeah. could certainly be. Uh, I'm not sure though, but it could certainly be just a you know a a particular production run that just something went wacky, yeah, and it could just be a bunch of very vocal people yes. where it could be a handful of units out of. Thousands. I don't. And these I, people just scream. I'm starting to. But I. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I, I. I mean, well, you don't hear from the people that are happy. No, you typically. rarely do. That's right. Yeah, that's <laughs> they true. Don't call Apple Care saying, true. "Hi, you know everything's great." I just wanted to call and say. I wanted to wait on hold wonderful. for 30 minutes and tell you this is great. Yeah, it just doesn't happen. And Apple people tend to be vocal, but as yeah. they probably should because you're Absolutely. paying somewhat of a premium. Yeah. And you know, anyways, like, like um, you said, I mean, Apple's not only is Apple watched very much in the press, but remember, this is the first round of their Intel machines. So they've got to, you know, play the PR game carefully to, to navigate these waters and make sure that, uh, you know, and I'm not speaking from the consumer's point of view here. Of course, I'm speaking from Apple's point of view, but they mm-hmm. need this to be a success in the media. And uh, so maybe it's, you know, deal with the, the, well, the complaints that happen mm-hmm. here and there. And and then fix it at the at the five or six month mark. Uh, you know, you don't. I don't know. Who knows? It, it's. Mm-hmm. I gotta say, I mean, they've done this. You know, this is a uh, another major switch for them. They went from Motorola to PowerPC. Now they're yeah. going from PowerPC, right. and you know, each time they switch processors, which is a monumental feat in itself to get everything to work when yeah. you switch a processor, especially a different architecture. I mean, you know. Yeah. Going uh, to the power PC wasn't probably quite as dramatic, but still, um, I gotta give him credit that it works at all. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it, like I said, it, it pretty much works fine. And is so, my uh, phone ringing? No, okay. So, um, is that the red phone? Uh, yeah, it's the it's the phone telling us that we're uh, we're starting to overstay our welcome with our our lovely listeners here. Uh, you know, we've, we've had a lot of comments in from all of you. And, of course, you can send those in to 206-666-GEEK if you want to phone them in while you're driving. Uh, there, there was one. No, 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 no. Yeah, they do it all the time. It's cool. you got to use a headset in some states. It's not. I don't like people that drive and talk. 
Oh, they, people have been piece. driving and talking for years. Yeah, they don't all do it too well, though. Yeah, if, if you're I'm sitting in the car, too. if you're sitting in the car next to me, you and I can oh, have a well, conversation. No problem. That's fine. But I can almost always, when I see a vehicle speeding up, slowing down, speeding up, slowing down, 99 times out of 100, it's somebody yakking on their cell phone. I don't, I don't see why yakking, I, I mean, I, futzing with the cell phone, trying to dial it, answering it, picking it up off the floor, that's dangerous. Once you're yeah. uh, like moving and talking with the thing on your head, the headset going, what's the difference, right? Same thing. I the, they, disagree. I think, I think it's still, st- statistically, the radio, futzing with the radio is still more dangerous than having a cell phone in the car. As far as I, as far as I, remember. maybe it's the type of conversations. But I think if you're in a heated conversation, you may tend to let some of that emotion get into your driving, which is bad. Yeah, but that's true whether whether you're talking to someone in the car or someone in uh, Kalamazoo. Doesn't matter. Same thing. Oh, hey, so wow. speaking of, of of communications, the, uh, the eyeglasses has long been one of my favorite plugins for for iChat, and I wanted to throw in something here. Chat FX from Script Software uh, enhances iChat in ways you iChat for video in ways you couldn't possibly imagine, or maybe you could. Uh, it it lets you kind of morph your your head. It, it give the whole you know funhouse mirror effect. You can do the, the the stencil thing and make yourself look like you're in what the video for Aha's take on me. You can do all this great stuff. Uh, and I just downloaded it today and couldn't couldn't help but mention it. So there we go, and that wraps it up. They need to go to Podcast Expo, Portable Media Expo in September. You're downloading this from Cashfly. If you want to advertise, contact the Backbeat Media Podcast Network and send your comments into MacGeekGab at MacObserver.com. Show notes up soon at MacGeekGab.com. Stay subscribed. Please. Don't get caught.